Hey everyone, grace and peace to you all from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is Wednesday, May 20th, and typically we save these interviews for Friday, but not today, not this week. We have with us Tim Mackey, and Tim Mackey is a co-founder of The Bible Project. Um, you may know his work. He's been a part uh, of our church during the year of biblical literacy. He's done a residency with us. He's a friend of mine. He's just a, an incredible guy. Um, we recorded a podcast yesterday and we had it slated for Friday, but it was just too good to wait till Friday to release. I am not good with patience. And so I'm just going to release it now so that we can metabolize it and talk about it for the rest of the week. So here is my time with Tim Mackey. Hey everyone, I'm here with Tim Mackey, the co-founder of The Bible Project. That um, I, You guys describe yourself as like, we, you make Bible cartoons on YouTube. What is your the way you describe it? <laughs> uh, when we're not being charitable to ourselves, we yes. say we make Bible cartoons for the internet. Yeah. For the internet, yes. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah. um, our, but, our sophisticated way is we, we make short form animations about yeah, biblical sure. theology. Yeah, you're, it's more basically respectful. it's se- it's seminary done in an accessible way. Oh gosh, I love the Bible Project. Anyway, so um, uh, Tim and I we met years ago um, mm-hmm. through I forget who, maybe John Mark, maybe mm-hmm. yeah, Gary. That's right. I, we, yep. yeah, I think John Mark. And um, <clears throat> in 2016, we did uh, the Year of Biblical Literacy, where uh, Bridgetown Church, Reality San Francisco, and and Bible Project kind of partnered together. And I remember I still have a photo um, of me, you, and and John Mark in his office in Portland. We're mapping out the entire year of biblical literacy, Whoa, like what we were going to yeah. do. I still have this photo. Yeah. And, Great uh, memory. Wow. Yeah. And is, oh gosh, it was so good. <laughs> and then um, I remember John Mark saying, uh, Tim, when you were at, in I think, Madison, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. is that where? Mm-hmm. And you were yeah, doing Yeah, University those, of Wisconsin. Yeah. Yes. And you were doing those videos of you scri- oh. scribing and drawing <laughs> books of the Bible on a whiteboard. Yes, <laughs> yes. And we yep. were like, let's go through the Bible. John Mark said, I had, he, I guess he stumbled upon him or knew about him. And he's like, let's mm. use these videos of Tim mm. describing on a, on a whiteboard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the, a book of the Bible. And we'll have our church read a book of the Bible and then go through these videos. I'm like, that's, yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And we asked you and you said, I want to redo those. <laughs> let's redo them as you read them with through the bible project yes that's right yep so yep we started making short summary videos by short i mean not short like five to nine <laughs> nine minutes each <laughs> for every book of the bible sometimes yeah. two videos per book if it's a long yeah. one and how yep. they all fit together you guys made a book well, about it like it's just yep, yeah yep. yeah and it so, turned into a turned into a really uh, it was a fun project uh and yeah yeah reality San Francisco was kind of the at the vanguard of what that looked like. It was a really fun season. Yeah. It was yeah. a really fun season. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, and so I have Tim with us today because this week we're doing like a kind of a um, a reprise, uh, a, um, a remastering of our year of biblical literacy, just all yeah. condensed, entire year in, in one week. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, I'm with Tim because I want to mm-hmm. talk about uh, your approach to the Bible, how you see the Bible, mm-hmm. how you study the Bible. Love just talk Bible with you. I know you love talking that mm-hmm. subject. Obviously, it's my it's my idea of a very good time. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think I'll start here. Um, what's your like your best reasoning or your best defense or whatever how you want to say it uh, for reading the Bible regularly? Mm. Like if 
well, how mm. would you tell, almost try to convince someone to like, or first of all, I should ask, do you think yeah. someone should read the Bible regularly? <laughs> um, well, uh, for me, it starts uh, with Jesus, and I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. Um, so uh, if I'm going to follow somebody, I'm going to like take my guidance from them and their teachings and that kind of thing. Um, so Jesus um, believed that he was bringing to culmination a long history between um, God and his people. And he explained himself, who he was, what he meant, what he was doing, what he was going to do, all in terms of this story. And this wasn't a story just floating in midair. It was a story located in a collection of scrolls uh, hmm. that Christians call the Old Testament. And so um, if uh, just for the same reason of if, Dave, you and I were like, you know, if we were um, live close to each other, we're working together, and I wanted to learn everything about you that I could, and you wrote an autobiography, it would make no sense whatsoever <laughs> for me not to know your story as, yeah. as well as I could if we're going to be close together. Yeah. And so I think it's the same logic. It's a relational logic. If I want to follow Jesus with integrity, it seems like I should understand the story that he sees himself bringing to fulfillment and reading uh, the stories about him and then of his closest followers that he commissioned, uh, the apostles. We call that the New Testament. So uh, to me, it just flows naturally out of that. It's um, mm. Reading the Bible as a habit, I think, is an expression of discipleship to Jesus. Mm. Uh, at least for me, that's what motivates m me. I, I, well, now I find it all just really interesting in terms of history and language and culture. Yeah. But when it started all those years ago, it was really just that simple. That's so. I love the the way you used the, like it. It's relational logic on how you would want mm. to get to know someone and their story, and yeah. approaching it that way, I feel it takes a lot of burden off of mm. you of anyone approaching the Bible. Um, starting it, 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 it becomes mm -hmm. more relational and becomes more, I'm reading this mm -hmm. to understand mm -hmm. Jesus and his background and what he mm -hmm. calls me into and what he's doing versus yep. I have yep. to figure out what this means and what this, what this verse is. And I can't deal with this verse. And you got to kind of keep reading almost because sometimes yeah, the Bible right. gets a little, yeah. uh, a little dark. You kind of lose your way a little bit sometimes. Yes. And you have yeah, to just keep right. reading because it's the, like judges isn't the final word, you know, that sort of yeah. thing, you know? Yeah, that's You right. have to keep reading. Yeah, yeah. We um, we need guideposts. And, and the question is what what are the guideposts that you have um, for, for reading the Bible? Um, and so for me, I've always, well, not always, I have come to take my guideposts from Jesus. For example, at the conclusion of the gospel according to Luke, he's having that Bible study with his closest followers. Mm -hmm. And uh, what he says is that uh, the Torah, the prophets, and the Psalms, which is his shorthand for the whole collection of the Old Testament, mm -hmm. he says um, it, that it's about me. <laughs> yeah. Technically, what he says is it's about um, how the Messiah would enter into suffering and then be vindicated up into glory so that the good news and forgiveness of sins could be announced to all the nations. So he, he sees that it's about him and what he did. Um, also, Paul, the apostle, in one of his letters to Timothy, says that the scriptures um, are a messianic wisdom literature. He calls them wisdom. They bring you wisdom mm. to learn about the Messiah and that we are delivered from death and from sin through trusting in him. 
Yeah. And so that, uh, those are our guideposts. Whatever this whole big complex thing that is the Bible is about, it's about that. Yeah. And um, I will learn who Jesus is and what it will mean for me to follow him in my context by immersing myself in, in the story. That's so good. So what are, like, the the wisdom part brings me mm. to a question that I that I was thinking of going into this was, um, how do you begin to apply biblical principles to how you live? Like, mm. um, and, I, and I know that that's not necessarily what you were talking about, but I want to get mm-hmm. there through that because a lot mm. of people pick up the Bible and like, mm. I want to, I'm going to read this and like, how, how, whatever I'm reading in Genesis, how do, how does this apply to how I live? Mm-hmm. And the way that you're, you're kind of approaching it is these things build and lead to wisdom, mm. Mm. Uh, wisdom that mm-hmm. helps you to, to like follow Jesus or be a disciple of Jesus. How mm. do you see, what, what do you need to know uh, mm-hmm. when you read the Bible on how you apply it? Mm-hmm. How, you know, especially in light of wisdom, in light of... Yeah, um, yes. Well, yeah, no, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, I think I, I've begun to steer a, away from the language of application, mm-hmm. um, uh, mainly for the reason that I think it assumes a paradigm of the Bible as a, a kind of guidebook or handbook. Yeah. Um, that I'd read a section, there's a truth or a principle that God wants me to do or believe, and then I go do or believe that thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and I'm not saying that the Bible shouldn't influence our behavior or beliefs. That's yeah. actually really what it's designed to do. The yeah. question is, how does it do that? Yes. So um, the, the fact that it mainly does it through communicating this really large, epic narrative that also has lots of poetry and other pieces built mm-hmm. into it. Um, it's actually, that's a lot what, what Paul says to Timothy. It's wisdom literature that's meant for instruction but not like a recipe book instructs, yeah. <laughs> but like the way that the Lord of the Rings instructs yeah. or the way uh, that, you know, an epic story or TV show instructs you. It, it shapes you and influences your values on the, on the deepest level. Yes. That, that's, that's how. And, and that's actually what the Hebrew word Torah, which refers both to the first five books of the Bible, but also came in Judaism and early Christianity to refer to all of the scriptures. Because Torah just means instruction, formative instruction. So that's one That's one part. Another part is, well, what actually is just the story of the Bible about? Yeah. Um, it's a, it begins with God um, creating a good world, but just as importantly, um, wanting to rule it through humans, through di- divine images, humans who bear the divine image, so that they rule it. So that God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. I think yes. I heard Jesus say something about that. Yeah, one. yeah totally. so so. But the whole drama of the Garden of Eden story is about uh, by whose wisdom will humans rule the world, and all the mm. stuff about the tree and knowing good mm-hmm. and bad and all this. It, it's about wisdom. Yeah. Um, and what the humans decide to do is to take and rule by their own wisdom instead of surrendering to God and trusting God's wisdom. And so that's essentially what the whole rest of the story is about, how that doesn't go well <laughs> yeah. when humans live by their own wisdom. Yeah. And then how are we going to get human images of God around here who do surrender and live by God's wisdom so that they can rule the world the way that God appointed them to be? Yeah. And so now I just watch story after story after story after story of somebody either blowing it because they live by their own wisdom 
and then having moments where they do live by God's wisdom and uh, they're delivered in some way. And so, you know, you read stories like that over and over and over again for years, that starts to shape you on a deep, a deep level, but it's not like a, a, a handbook, you know? Yeah. Gosh, I'm getting chills. That's so good. I honestly, mm-hmm. like legitimately getting chills because I think mm-hmm. that sometimes we forget that we need to pick up the Bible as a story. We need to pick mm-hmm. up the movements of the story and how mm-hmm. they move. And once you get the movements of the story, then you can start immersing yourself in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess my question would be to you, how do you suggest, and I know the, the long answer to that is the Bible project, but mm-hmm. the short answer, what is, how would you help or recommend like someone mm-hmm. starting to get into the story? Like, How then mm-hmm. do I start to read the Bible this week, this month, mm-hmm. like this? Mm-hmm. How do you do it? Where do you start? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, so much of that depends on where somebody's at in, in their own journey of faith and following Jesus. So um, uh, for somebody who's newer to the Jesus team, uh, mm-hmm. I just really encourage people to just hang out in the four gospel accounts about Jesus mm-hmm. and just read them a lot um, and memorize sayings and teachings of Jesus. Like just get the story of Jesus and his character in his vision of the world, like get it deep, deep inside. And what you will start to notice is um, that Jesus explains who he is and what he's doing. I said this earlier, all in terms of this bigger story, and usually by quoting from the first three quarters of your Bible, which mm-hmm. if you look in the table of contents, it's called the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And so th- then it's about, well, how do I venture into that collection? and really start to read it. And, you know, it really is meant to be read from beginning to end, though there's differing orders of it and whole lots of rabbit holes there. Um, but the, the trick is is that it, it's a kind of story, it's very different than written, than how modern Western stories are, are told. Yeah. It's, a, it's a cyclical story. So that every generation throughout the Old Testament kind of developing story is actually replaying the same themes and the same set of issues that begin with the Garden of Eden story. Hmm. And so it's going to be about somebody who does good or bad. God sets them up with some awesome opportunity. They succeed or they blow it, usually both. Comes to a crisis moment where they have to give up any everything and they either surrender to God and live or they rebel against God and they die. Press repeat. <laughs> yes. And you've got half the Old Testament right there. So it's, um, it's about learning to see in the life of Abraham, in the life of Jacob, in the life of Moses, in the life of the nation, the same story on repeat. And it's my story. It's yes. the human story. It's our story. And so it's, it, this is what, but this is what we do with any story. We sympathetically begin to see life through a character set of eyes. We identify with them. Sometimes we distance ourselves from them. And we learn. It's instructive for us. That's why we like to watch movies and, and read yeah. good novels, you know. How would you, because when you're saying this, what's coming up for me is how even <clears throat> the uh, Jewish people put themselves in the story through mm. uh, holy days and festivals. and Yes, that's right. And yeah, that's right. What would... Is there an approach for us today, mm. like how we do that? Thinking of Seder, mm. thinking of Passover. Mm. Are there ways that mm. we put ourselves? I think of Easter, mm. obviously, and Advent. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. a good way? The church calendar, a good way to put yourself in that story? Mm. Uh, yeah, it depends on your church tradition. 
Um, but this is, yeah, this is the logic of the, the liturgical calendar or the yeah. Christian calendar. It's that the whole year creates, and if you're doing like the full scale deal, yeah. You know, um, like in like in the Catholic or Orthodox tradition, it's like every week or every other week, there's something. Yeah. You're doing something. <laughs> that yeah, you're totally. remembering or recalling a story you're retelling. So that's one piece. Um, another piece is to, uh, since this is about reading the Bible, that's about yeah. reading and inhabiting it in, in my yeah. life structures in, the, in my church community. Another piece, there's, there's nothing for it. it. It's a set of texts. Yeah. <laughs> the Bible is a set of texts, which means you have to read it. Yeah. Um, However, they come from another time and culture. And so there's gonna be things that are hard to understand. I don't think I need to convince anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. so another virtue in reading the scriptures is learning how to, um, how to tolerate your questions and how, yes. uh, so actually, tolerate's not even quite the right word, how to honor them and sit with them and respect them and let them drive you into gr greater learning. Um, and th there's yes. just nothing for it. Th these texts are designed, they're actually designed not to be fully understood on the first reading. Um, yes. This is a theme we call it in Bible Project uh, meditation literature. It's actually mm -hmm. a collection meant to be read and reread over the course of a lifetime. And only after, sometimes, your 17th rereading do you gain an insight that's just been waiting there, but it's it's buried on purpose <laughs> to kind Gosh, of drive you forward. That's right. I think that we are so quick to like want to Google something to know the answer. I did a podcast yeah. this week on on mm. this series where mm. I remember uh, when I was a youth pastor, I bought this book like the Bible's answers to modern questions or something, and it was mm. for a youth edition. It was like you look up the question and then you turn to that page and tells you what the Bible how the Bible answered that question. Hmm. And I was hmm. just reflecting on how horrible that is to read the Bible that way. <laughs> well, uh, it may be a handy book, but it, yeah, the, don't mistake that for how the Bible works. <laughs> yes, and that was like, I think that was my yeah. point. My point was yeah. like, that's not what, that's not how the Bible functions. The Bible doesn't yeah. function yeah. that way at first read. It's it's meant yeah. to tell a story. It's, you're supposed to go deeper. And it, just this week, I was just even meditating on the fall. Hmm. And like, hmm. Um, spending time rereading the story of the fall mm. and rereading mm. the story of like how mm. um, the temptation was like a mm. Uh, mm. Uh, not taking responsibility. Mm. Like mm. they had a responsibility. Mm. They had a responsibility to cultural mandate, to even mm. rule over mm. animals, snakes, that sort of thing. And, mm -hmm. and they didn't lay hold of their responsibility. So there's different mm. layers of it. You know, that was me. Yeah. And that was for me today was like, Yep. Even a, yeah. uh, in a way where I'm like, am I doing that? Is there a temptation to not do my responsibility as a dad, yeah, that's right. as a yep. husband, as a pastor, as a human, yes. you know? Yeah, yeah so that's right. Yeah. Thinking of those, these are our stories. These are our stories over and yes. over and over again. Yeah, that's another benefit of meditative rereading over the course of many years is that what will stand out to you in the story of Adam and Eve or Abraham um or Deborah and Barack or Samson, yeah. what stands out to you today will be different than what stands out to you two years from now because yeah. you will be different two years right. from now. <laughs> that's and, exactly right. And that's, again, the texts are designed with that kind of depth and, and yeah. richness to them, not just in the, their own detail, but in also how your own life prepares you to see and notice certain things. Totally. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about 
I mean, this is a big topic, so I know mm. that you can't dive into it too, too much because of our time constraint. But mm. biblical authority, like how mm. you know, mm. post Reformation, like you know, for us that are Protestant or not Catholic or you know, mm. um, we don't have that Catholic, uh, yeah, sure, papal yeah. authority. We have Th- things are a lot simpler in that way for a Catholic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Things are a lot yeah. simpler and. Yeah. I now, but I have to interpret it, and I have so everyone interprets it differently. How where, how how do you get to authority with the Bible? Who has the right way of reading it? Mm, well, that's a yes, hard question. That, I know. That's yeah, such that a big is. Question. Uh, you know, um, I've as I've learned more about church history, I, I have seen both the strengths and the weaknesses of the. Reformation Protestant tradition, yeah, and the strengths and weaknesses of Catholic and Orthodox tradition yeah. that, that do I'm authority differently. And yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'll be processing that as will the church for I don't know how long. Rest of our lives. <laughs> yeah, for sure the rest of my life. Um, so, and, and here's why: be, because our understanding of the Bible, and this has happened even in the course of my short adult life of reading the Bible over the last 20 years is that the ho- I can do all the homework I want. The nature of being a human is that your understanding develops based on your limitations. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and so that's true for me as an individual, that things that seemed clear to me, all of a sudden I can see, whoa, that was not clear. And yeah. the conclusions I had then were just uninformed by all this other stuff I couldn't have known. Yeah. But that's also true in church history. Yep. The way that the Spirit is leading the movement of Jesus, there are just some things that couldn't even have been a topic or an idea to the medieval church that are really important now and that have to factor into how we interpret the Bible. And so I think it's just that, that the scriptures have the ability to challenge our previous traditions and understandings. And if it doesn't have that um, type of authority over us, uh, then essentially we live with a domesticated, right, a, a Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the flip side of that is what just ha- what seems perfectly clear to me may not be perfectly clear to you. Yeah. And what seems perfectly clear to my church community living in this city and this country may not be perfectly clear. And so uh, there's nothing for it. <laughs> yeah, I know that's except yeah. exposing ourselves to wider and wider traditions and communities of interpretation, yeah. and and holding all, holding most of my interpretations lightly. There is a core called the Orthodox Christian tradition, you know, yeah, yeah, that's embodied by the creeds, uh, yeah. uh, and the historic creeds, and I, I'm 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 great with that. As yeah. like the short summary, yeah. But that's a pretty. Sh- it's a pretty short summary that leaves a lot open for a, a ton open. Yeah. So I. I don't know. I. I'm, I don't have anything really more profound to say than that. I'm. I'm glad that you. I. Just, I'm. I love the conversation because I think it's. It's what's really difficult, you know. Mm-hmm. For, um, mm. I think. I think there is something about a local church and the governing leaders of that church saying, this is how we've interpreted scripture and we're open to the community. And these people are, we're pastoring right now. Mm. And there's something beautiful about that. But then you do, you go down to the next city, go down to mm-hmm. across the whatever, mm-hmm. and it's different. And like, well, that's mm-hmm. just different than this church and that, that sort of thing. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just really, really, that's been a really hard thing mm. um, and contentious as well. Yes. Uh, yeah. Maybe two, 
two thoughts, though it might just become one thought. Um, let's go back, though, to the nature of the biblical story is that the human family is an image of God, commissioned to, to rule and take responsibility of creation on, on God's behalf. So, and so that God's rule through humans is God's rule, mm-hmm. not just human rule, it's God's rule. And so, um, but right from the beginning, from page one, the little poem, this little three-line poem in Genesis 1, verse 27, that says the image of God is a, a hu- human, humanity. It's a single, mm-hmm. singular Hebrew word, Adam, which means humanity. Mm-hmm. But then the second and third lines of the poem say that that one Adam is also more than one. Mm-hmm. And it highlights there the differential of, of gender, male and female. And so built in to the logic of the image of God is that for a creature on God's behalf to take responsibility of such a diverse, huge creation, it means more than one. And those more than one are one, but they are not identical. They are different. And so if you take that principle out, the rule of God can't actually image God and all be identical. it, by definition, needs to be as diverse as the creation it's called to rule. That's and so, so I good. think there's yeah. something there yeah. about the wisdom of God through the movement of Jesus that the core story... Oh, yes, this is the second thing I was going to say. It's easy to, to overemphasize the differences and underemphasize what all our denominations and traditions actually have in common which is like a lot, yeah, <laughs> a lot. Even yeah. though it looks different on the service, the, the core story is the same story. Yes. Um, and in that sense, this story is, to me, it's amazing that the story of Jesus can be expressed in so many different ways. And we debate it which ways, at what point does it not become faithful to Jesus anymore? And that's where it gets complicated. But if you flip it over and just think of it from the, the, the way the story can be expressed is through as many different kinds of humans as there are. And that's, a, that's actually, you can't really say that about most other re- religious traditions. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. That's mind-blowing. I, and I think what was, as you were sharing that, what was coming up for me was the idea that why you, why you need a community to interpret the Bible. You need other mm. people. You yes, need yes, yeah. you need a group of people that that come with their perspectives mm. that are diverse and are not all the same. They're not all the same as you. They're yep. different people, which yep. is another case for the multi-ethnic diverse community of the of faith. Like the yes. beauty of that and how yep. important that is in yeah. studying and and interpreting the scriptures. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Or, or yeah, or you could say um, it just draws attention to the fact of the multi-ethnic international makeup of the body of Christ. The yeah. question is whether I'm going to let that fact affect or inform my yeah. own practice of following Jesus in any way. Because I could, I could live in a bubble, a cultural That's bubble. Right. You can choose to live in a bubble. Yep. Or yeah. you can choose to expand. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, the last question is, um, what, what are you, uh, what are you meditating on right now from the scriptures? What kind of mm. has your imagination, your thought? Mm. In, in quarantine, in, uh, in, mm-hmm. in shelter-in-place, or whatever they call it in Portland. Mm-hmm. They call it shelter? I don't know what they call it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I prefer shelter-in-place. I don't yeah. I picked it somewhere along the way. I picked it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, what, what are you meditating on now from the scriptures? What kind of has your imagination? Uh, yeah, you know, um, right now, I, I was going to do this this summer anyway, and then the, 
whole, you know, sheltering in place. It's really simplified my life. Um, so I was going to camp out in Joshua through Kings, Joshua, Judges, mm-hmm. Samuel, Kings of yeah. the Old Testament. Um, and because for at least for right now, there I haven't worked on those books for a while. So I'm right now like immersed in the story of David. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. Dude, it's so unbelievable. I know, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. So um, I was just, uh, so, so for example, in the story of David and Bathsheba, right? This is David's yeah. um, Garden of Eden failure moment mm-hmm. on replay. Oh, he's gosh. up on the high place, he's on the roof. The word roof is different from the word garden in Hebrew by just one little tweak of part of the letter. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and it's on the high place. And there he sees a woman and takes her. Mm. It's exactly what the woman does yeah. with the tree. He sees yep. and he takes her. Um, and then, uh, you know, and then he murders her husband. Then the next story is going to be about how he loses his firstborn son because mm-hmm. of that sin. Think through Adam and Eve. Yep. And then mm-hmm. who do they lose? They mm-hmm. lose their son in yep. Genesis chapter 4. Yep. And then you get a story uh, about how David's other two sons, one takes one out into the field and murders him, just like Cain and Abel. Oh, whoa, <laughs> right? I, never, I never thought that. Absalom and Abnon. And, so, and, it's his, and from David's sin with Bathsheba right on through to uh, those chapters, it's replaying in order the events of Genesis 1 through 11. Gosh. And it's doing it through all of these amazing hyperlinks and key word plays in, in Hebrew and some that are noticeable in English. But it, it's not just cool artistry. It's trying to say that David is replaying the human story, yeah. but now on the scope of his kingdom. So anyway, this is just like, it's so cool. That's so <laughs> amazing. That, yeah. I think what the the way that it invites us into that is that we do the same i i, I yes. bet if we like went through yes. Yes. the biggest failures of our life we were replaying genesis 3 totally that that's the whole point is that yeah. gen, in genesis in the garden of eden the two people doing that first failure are named human <laughs> yes and living one yeah and i i'm both of those things and yeah. so is david and that's so right. that that's how his story becomes torah formative yeah. instruction uh, for me. Yeah, that's right. And what that shows us about God in that he goes after Adam and Eve. He goes out, he even protects Cain, which is crazy. Yes. It to- yes, and how totally. he redeems yeah. David. Yeah, that's right. All of that, like the, what it says yeah. about us and what that says mm-hmm. about God and his character. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How God both allows us to face the consequences of our decisions and yet can still be said to forgive us. Yeah. Even when he lets us sit in the mess we've made, but at the same time he sh- sh- shields us at least often from the the worst of the consequences of the messes that we've made. Yeah. Though there are a small handful of times where he gives somebody over fully to their yeah. stupid decisions because yeah. it's it's strangely it's what they actually want. Hmm. But this is the drama. This is why mm-hmm. this is why the whole testament's so long. It's so, <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's so good. Anyhow, thank you, thank you for this time. Your time. This was really meaningful yeah, and helpful, yeah. and I just enjoy enjoy you in this conversation. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Happy to talk.